This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the show. It's good to have you with me, and uh, it's going to be an interesting show today. Before I get started on the show, though, I want to uh, tell everybody to check my blog at www.michaelconnelly.com for the article I posted last night called Hillary Timeline. It is getting a tremendous response today. Uh, all over the Internet, it's being posted and, and reprinted uh, in a lot of different locations because I outlined basically the history of Hillary, Bill Clinton, the Democratic Party, and the mainstream media over the course of, of this campaign and all the corrupt things that she has done and gotten by with and all the corrupt things that the media has done. And uh, so read that article. It's pretty important. Also very important is my guest today, who has been on the show before. It was a little over a month ago, I think, that John was on. John Trudell was a very, very well-noted author. Uh, his books have won a number of awards. I read them all, and they're all fantastic. And John uh, is going to be talking to us about the same, basically the same thing that he talked about uh, a little over a month ago, the situation in Oregon, and uh, basically a lot of people are losing their constitutional rights on a daily basis there. And we had a lot of response to that show, and John is going to update us today. But, John, welcome to the show, and let's start off by having you uh, tell my listening audience a little bit more about yourself and, and your blog and how they can get a hold of your books. Well, thank you for having me back, Michael, and it's an honor to be here. And yeah, that's that's a good place to start. Um, <clears throat> what I do is I write uh, thriller novels set a few years in the future. And uh, I had a long career in high tech. I did classified government stuff, did interesting things for companies. And I saw lots and lots of stuff over my career, none of which I could talk about. Uh, and had a business as a consultant, and it was good. I kind of lived the American dream. Okay, so I retired and write thriller novels, and I start writing these things and <clears throat> making up stories, and it took uh, it took a while to break into. I'd done hundreds of columns, and I'd done nonfiction books, but novels are different. So I work on it, and I work on it, and I work on it. Finally, I get books out, and... <clears throat> The weird thing about it, and I'll, I'll go through my books, but the weird thing is how I am branded now. And uh, I learned the difference between being a writer and an author. When you're a writer, you sit in your, or a novelist, you sit in your room, talk to your imaginary friends, and make up stories. And then you publish the books, and you become an author. You're out in the world, and you start interacting with people, and you wind up being redefined and learning all kinds of things. And... What I learned is my books keep turning real. Okay, I'll make up these stories, and by the time the book comes out, again and again and again, the story is happening. And uh, so I got rebranded. Now they say I write political thrillers. Well, the problem is today everything is political. We we see that all over the place. But I'm a thriller guy, and um, right now I have four novels out. I'll go through them quickly in order. Uh, the the first one, the book that started it all, is called God's House. It was done, I don't know, five years ago maybe. 
and uh, it came out, won some awards. And um, the interesting thing that I just learned, and, you know, Michael's talking about the Hillary timeline and all this kind of stuff. Uh, well, what I just realized with my old book, I'm going through some things where I'm getting them republished, um, <clears throat> and um, caused me to be reading these old books I wrote years and years and years ago. It comes out five years ago. You're probably working on it ten years ago or seven. And I'm reading this paragraph. Oh, where did it go? I just lost it. Hang on. Uh, which is a... Okay, where are we? Just a uh, it's a paragraph out of uh, God's House, my first novel. And you could take it right off the headlines today with Hillary and the Clinton Foundation and things like that. And um, so that predicted... Uh, something that didn't happen for four or five years, but the novel's been out there that long, and sure enough, um, there we go. Uh, notes. Yeah, <clears throat> what... <clears throat> Here's the paragraph. Uh, this is kind of three-quarters of the way through the book, and the boss of my character, who's kind of a dark agent, black agent, uh, is consoling him, saying, but you've got it all. The puzzle fits together. Vogel, who's a sinister financial type from Geneva, the UN, Reverend Liz, and her church all tie together. She's laundering money for Vogel to feed the terrorists and insurgents. Dig deeper, and I expect you'll find energy and weapons contraband. And it goes on about the UN. And I go, my God, <laughs> it, that sounds an awful lot what we're hearing about all these deals from Benghazi on. So that started it all. And that was God's House and my first novel. And uh, it's been very well received uh, by most people. The second one that came out was called Privacy Wars. And I made up a story about Big Brother watching you and <clears throat> this uh, scientist who had come up with a way to um, where they couldn't listen into you. You could encrypt your communications, and it was unbreakable and so forth and so on. And that book came out, and it spawned two things, actually three things. But one thing, the book comes out before I even started. I was just starting to promote it when uh, all of a sudden Snowden is running for his life and stuck in the Moscow airport. And um, nobody involved in that kind of work back then was able to talk about it. Obviously, everybody, but uh, probably Hillary honors their security clearances, so they can't say anything. But I'm an author, so I made up a story. I'm talking about it on the media, and I'm saying, yeah, scary stuff. They're watching you. You don't have much privacy. Well, that book won me three national awards and an IRS audit, which is also one of the things I can't talk about, but it's been very popular, and it is still popular. Uh, it comes up. It is very topical. Uh, okay, that was number two, and the one after that was called Soft Target. That one, uh, was, I had some special ops folks help me with that, most notably a fellow named Captain Larry Bailey, who used to command the SEALs. He was a big help. And uh, it's, a, it's a spooky story of bioweapons. Uh, well, what happens? Now we have open borders and bioweapons and Lord knows what else coming across. So that one's popular. Um, and again, it hit reality. Uh, and uh, furthermore, I go on to the next one. 
which is called Raven's Run, and that's my current series, is Raven's Run and its sequel, Raven's Redemption. And I took something that was implausible, but really scary. What if terrorists had Iranian nuclear weapons? You know, pretty scary stuff. And again, I write the story, the book comes out, and uh, we're starting to do the uh, interviews and the signings and everything. And all of a sudden, this Iran deal thing is in the news. <laughs> okay, I'm going, my gosh, that is my story. And it goes on and on and on. And, you know, it's a deal that nobody can see that Congress isn't allowed to uh, even see, let alone be required to approve. And uh, <clears throat> But that's the storyline in my book. And one of the uh, presidential, so there's all these efforts, you know, what can we do to stop the deal? And uh, I finally put out a little seven-point newsletter about that. If you want to stop the deal, here's step one. And you had to replace some high-level Republicans, and step two went on and on and on. And one of the presidential campaigns picked up my little newsletter, and it went to zillions of people, and all of a sudden <laughs> it got a lot of attention. So I got a bigger footprint in social media and got a bunch of trolls stalking me, too. But that was Raven's Run. Raven's Redemption is my most recent book, and um, it is a sequel, and it, what it does is it takes the, um, the team that was uh, trying to save the world and save the United States in, my, in Raven's Run. They're all wounded, damaged, and, and barely alive, and they're trying to reconstitute the team. There's still a new threat, and these same terrorists are now linking with domestic terrorists, they're linking with uh, you know black power people and eco- ecological terrorists, and that's Raven's Redemption. Uh, all of them have gotten <clears throat> very good uh, reviews. All of them have gotten like five. Some of them are sold five stars on Amazon, and um, most readers have been very kind. Now, one thing that. Uh, <laughs> Michael, we, we got into, I mentioned I was having all these weird things, because you get too much attention. Attention is a good thing, but it also attracts bad things. And so, sure enough, uh, we're finding out, not just in my books, but truth is the new hate speech. Okay, if you say something, all of a sudden, oh, you shouldn't be saying that, it's very unkind. And I even had some of my readers say, it used to be the right versus the left, now it's truth versus propaganda, and my tagline has become thrillers or fiction until it happens. There's a lot of truth in novels. Uh, ask George Orwell or people like that. Um, and it's not just me. Some other thriller guys like Brad Thor, who's very prominent in the field, same thing. He makes up stories. They happen. And I started uh, getting subtle pressures uh, to lower my profile, let me say that, and I was having ads refused from my books because some of them, you know, hang on to your seats, folks, have scary guns on the covers. <laughs> okay, you can't look at a gun these days. And that's just very upsetting to some people. And so I was having people kind of game the advertising. It's approved. It's not approved. What I just found out, and I had trolls stalking me. Well, within the last week, um, I went out of town for a couple of days uh, my wife's birthday was on the 23rd. We went into a remote area. And I came back to find out that I have now been, I believe, the first novelist in history to 
to be banned from posting under my own author's page on Amazon. And, and I go, oh, my gosh, okay. And what has happened, it, you know, normally that would be very catastrophic. Well, what has happened is my readers and fans just got livid about this. And uh, what was happening is Amazon, you have your books, and you can go to John D. Trudell. I should say that now. If you want to find my novels, it's www.johntrudell.com. That's my author's website. I own that. I control it. And I have a lot of stuff there. I have interviews. Uh, this interview will be up eventually. Um, all my interviews, all my reviews, all of my um, <clears throat> um, you know, reader comments and things like that are there. And uh, so you can check out all the books, and you can even see the first chapters for free. So that's mine. But I also have an Amazon web page an author's page, and that's just John D. Trudell. And there you see uh, the same kind of stuff, my biography and things, but they let you put these little discussion threads. But John, we need, to take, we need to take our first break now, so hold that thought. Okay. The United States Justice Foundation, since 1979, has been dedicated to instructing, informing, and educating the public on legal issues confronting America. That means you and me. When necessary, this nonprofit organization has had to litigate to present the constitutional view. Since 1980, USJF has submitted testimony to the U.S. Senate on all but one U.S. Supreme Court nominee. Learn more about USJF by visiting their website at www.usjf.net. Support this nonprofit as it defends our rights, our liberty, and our Constitution. Are your health insurance premiums going up? You are not alone. Visit us at ObamacareWatch.org to understand why and what you can do to get us back on the right track. This is Grace Marie Turner, President of the Galen Institute. Visit us at ObamacareWatch.org. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Who is or what is USJF? It is a nonprofit legal organization founded to protect our rights through the U.S. Constitution. Active in educating the public, USJF has also contributed directly and indirectly to legal defense efforts in many celebrated cases involving fundamental conservative principles. Cases of note include the Mount Soledad Cross case, the Arizona Immigration Law case, the Obama eligibility cases, the NDAA illegal detention issue, and many more. Help this nonprofit as they help you. Visit www.usjf.net today. This is America's WebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. My guest today is John Trudell, a good friend and, and very prominent author. I've read all of his books, and we were talking before the break about the uh, uh, some of the bizarre reactions that, that come about uh, to his book, like uh, advertisers refusing to advertise it because it has scary guns on, on the cover. But you were talking about uh, uh, what was, was happening with, with Amazon, and pick that up again, John. 
Yeah, I am basically an Amazon author, uh, and they're a good company, I think, uh, and they've been very kind to me over the years. Uh, published, my publisher right now is uh, primarily a company. Well, yeah, primarily, I can say, because I have, I have more coming online, but it's been CreateSpace for years, which does a first-rate job, uh, and they got bought by Amazon. Most of the publishers are shrinking and having trouble. Well, here's one that's growing. And um, they publish my books, and um, they publish the e-books, too, or have to date up until uh, actually this week. Uh, and they've been supportive. And what you do uh, when you're on Amazon is you get these authors' pages, and they kind of come, whether you want to or not, with a discussion thread. And the idea is underneath, if you're, some of your readers want to have warm, friendly discussions with the author, uh, they can leave notes there and you can respond. And that may, you know, uh, some do, some don't. Most of uh, most of my things, most of my social media contacts have been elsewhere, but it was fine. But anyway, the threads are there, and these, uh, and you have paid thugs and trolls who go around from Ferguson and all over the place. And in the real world, they throw bricks through windows and you know attack police. In the cyber world, they just kind of slime you and team team attack you. I had some of those. And so what we've been having to do year after year after year is the trolls will pile on, put slimy posts under my author's page. I point out that they're liars and bullies and everything, and uh, it turns into a hassle, and Amazon comes on and deletes their posts. And then we start over again. We've been doing that for three or four years. And um, this year, uh, just before we left on our vacation, I got a strange note about we've had some complaints. And I go, what in the world's going on? Don't know. Went on vacation, came back. <laughs> and I got a note, well, you have been banned from posting because your posts are spiteful. <laughs> okay, spiteful. Uh, I've been there for 20 years, and I've had thousands of posts under all all kinds of books. I reviewed... I don't know, hundreds of books, including uh, some of Michael's. And I've been doing that for a long time. And so most of my uh, posts are not spiteful, but it's been a war zone under my author's page to where I keep warding people away. I keep saying, this is a dangerous neighborhood. Don't be here. Well, anyway, somebody banned me, and we're dealing with that now. And the interesting thing was I didn't even know about it, <laughs> okay? And my my readers got furious, and they've kind of piled on, and then if enough people vote negatively, uh, posts disappear. So the trolls are still there under my author's page, but all their posts have vanished. They're like, uh, does not add value, and they're blanked out. And just yesterday... Um, I filed a, a protest with my publisher, CreateSpace, and with Amazon, and we'll see. It's going to float through. They're a huge company with lots and lots of subsidiaries and different departments that don't talk to each other, so there's three or four departments involved. So it may sort out. If it doesn't, uh, my, my readers are talking about a uh, free John movement where they kind of set up their own threads and talk about well, why is this guy allowed to post under his own author's page okay so that's where it is right now and uh, so far it hasn't done me any damage and in fact i have a lot of enthusiasm and other people want to also publish my books and i was into that already i'm going to have to uh, I've been managed to do about a book a year. This year, I've got to do seven. I've got to republish my books in other media 
so people like Apple and stuff like that can get access to my books. And that's underway. And my first book was published uh, as an e-book. Uh, that's got, the first one we did was uh, Raven's Run. It'll be up on Am- Apple and Kobo and all those platforms. may even be up now. And by the end of the year, all my books will be up that way, and then we're going to start doing hardbacks. So that's the plan. That's where I am. And we can cut back to what we laughingly call the real world, and I'll let Michael tell me what he'd like to hear about <laughs> well, it, next. <laughs> it, well, it's interesting that you're talking about about this, because uh, when I posted, had my book published, I'm a Yaley, A Story of America, which is my first patriotic novel, and the left found out about it, they went berserk on Amazon attacking me for being a gun nut and all this stuff. And uh, it actually seemed to help the sale of the book. I'm hoping they'll do the same thing with my new book, The Rag, which is, uh, you know, like your books, is coming true. I wrote this uh, patriotic novel about what would happen if the United States falls to a tyranny, and I described that tyranny, and I described what hopefully would happen as far as people resisting. And uh, so it's going to be interesting to see what kind of response I get to that. But in the meantime, what's happening to me is that Facebook, I have a Facebook page. And, of course, I I do blog articles on the Constitution. And when I post them on my blog, I also post them on Facebook. But lately, apparently, Facebook has been limiting the number of people who are notified about my blog posts. Now, I have close to 2,000 friends on Facebook. I'm not real big on it. I don't spend a lot of time on it. And what's interesting, though, is if I, when I rarely post something personal, like the birth of my new grandchild recently, I got over 200 comments and posts. But when I post one of my new blog articles, which used to draw a whole lot of responses, I'll get maybe a dozen responses. So the last one, not the one last night, but the one before that I posted, I put it on Facebook, and I said, okay, if you get this, please respond in some way. Either put a like or don't like, I don't care, uh, or do a share or a comment. I got less than a dozen responses. So that indicates to me that Facebook is, they're not deleting my post, but what they're doing is they're severely limiting the number of people who would normally receive notice of it. And they're not receiving it. So, you know, we've all got our, our left-wing demons out there to deal with, apparently, and I'm working on that issue. But in the meantime, let's get back to the, the core uh, issue here. And by the way, I do want to urge everybody to buy John's books because I have read them. They are fabulous, and they're scary because of the fact that they're coming true. But they, they're well-written. Uh, the characters are well-developed. It's a good read. So I, I encourage everybody to do that. Now... We talked last time you were here about the situation in Burns, uh, Oregon, uh, where the Hammond family had been ranchers out there for years and years. They had uh, their land was adjacent to federal land. They had, uh, on several occasions, been forced when there were fires on the federal lands to set backfires to protect their own property, and they ultimately were charged with terrorism by the federal government. They were arrested. They were given a plea bargain, and then the government reneged on the plea bargain and sent them to jail. This was a result of a protest out there that was led by Ryan Bundy uh, from a Bundy family in Nevada that had the same type of situation. And the protests ultimately resulted in some people 
occupying a abandoned federal facility out there, basically a, a wildlife refuge, and uh, they weren't really occupying it. They were just staying there. And then uh, they were surrounded by federal marshals and state of Oregon officials and tried to negotiate an end to all of this. And some of them were on their way to meet the sheriff in Jason County. And this rancher from Arizona, LeVon Finnegan, was basically killed in an ambush. And uh, so fill, fill my listeners in on what you know about that part of the story, and then we'll go on to what's developed since then. Absolutely, and let me have 60 seconds here because I can solve your problem with Facebook. I'm, I'm a cyber guy. I'm an engineer and everything else. Privacy Wars was that book. What Facebook did that nobody knows about is they set a little privacy thing that is optional. And it's just a box you check, but it's not on a thing you ever look at. And if it's sensitive and might offend, you never see the post. And what happened is everybody got opted into that. And the only way, so they're not doing it to you. You have allegedly chosen that option. But I will send you an email and tell you how to deselect that option and to tell your readers because they are being censored and they don't even know it. And that started happening on Facebook about a month ago. Um, even worse is Google now has bought YouTube. And YouTube is starting to delete conservative videos. And uh, just uh, this week on Breitbart, you know, we have jihadists here. My novels have jihad all over the place, so I watch that. And what they're doing is uh, Google. You know, if you want to find out about something, you go Google it. Well, what happens is uh, Free Speed Defense and Jihad Watch, this is up on Breitbart as of 48 hours ago, accusing Google of skewing their search results to promote uh, pro-Jihad articles uh, that came. They have, if you search for Jihad, you get Wikipedia first with 32 million results, and then the next result you get is from the Islamic Supreme Council's article, which is relatively unknown, but it shows up, you know, as number two of everything on on Google. So that's being gamed, and I suspect that, that that's going to get nasty. Um, I expect my readers are going to get nasty because they don't like me being blocked from Amazon. So that this is going on, and there is definitely attacks on the First Amendment. Uh, with that, we can cut back to Burns, and I've got lots of information. I'm just sitting here with notes all over my desk because things are happening um, within the last few hours. Uh, let me first off back up a little bit. I, w I got to listen to your uh, video with Victoria Taft um, about Mike Emery and everything. And she wasn't familiar what the status was of Mike. Mike was a reporter who was not arrested at Burns. Uh, he was just a reporter. He was there. Uh, he was framed about a, a month or two later. He had moved out of that county because it was too dangerous there. It's a pretty corrupt. Uh, Harney County has been pretty well corrupted. So he was in the next county over, staying in John Day, where there's Sheriff Palmer protecting him. Pretty good guy. Palmer went out of town. At 5 o'clock in the morning, he was raided, arrested. He and his wife were, were tossed down. 
and they found this, uh, or allegedly found this machine gun, and they charged him with illegal possession of a machine gun and everything else. And uh, you you knew that and discussed it with uh, Victoria. Well, all those charges have gone away, so they've been dropped. There was no machine gun. Uh, it was it was all bogus. The the witness uh, that had allegedly te- it was testifying to things turned out to be uh, a paid informer with a pretty shady background, so he wasn't a credible witness. All those charges okay, John, dropped. John, we're going to have to take a second break here, so hold that thought, okay. and we'll be right back to you. Okay. Who is or what is USJF? It is a nonprofit legal organization founded to protect our rights through the U.S. Constitution. Active in educating the public, USJF has also contributed directly and indirectly to legal defense efforts in many celebrated cases involving fundamental conservative principles. Cases of note include the Mount Soledad Cross case, the Arizona Immigration Law case, the Obama eligibility cases, the NDAA illegal detention issue, and many more. Help this nonprofit as they help you. Visit www.usjf.net today. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back, everyone. My guest today is John Trudell, a noted author, a good friend, and uh, somebody whose blog you need to follow and books you need to read. And he's been talking to to us today about the situation in Burns, uh, Oregon, and you were talking about the the Strickland case, John, so would you pick up on that? Yeah, well, first off, Mike Emery, we started there. She didn't know the answer, Victoria Taft. All the gun charges, the machine gun was totally bogus. That was uh, no good. Those charges have been thrown out. However, Mike Emery, that reporter, is still back in, he's he's still in prison, okay, and goes to trial in October. I don't know for what. But he is still incarcerated here in Oregon, even though the charges that he was uh, incarcerated for have been dropped. So that's as of last week. Uh, Mike Strickland, everything that Victoria told you about Mike Strickland was absolutely spot on. Um, 
it's a I think it's a huge case for the first and second amendment I recommend everybody go back and listen to her interview she knows more she's a friend of Mike's and has known him for years and uh, she's right on it's a key case and uh, they now he was attacked by a bunch of protesters the same kind of people who'd beaten him up and broken his arm a year earlier and he is he was arrested um, Originally, no, the police didn't do anything. So he's just defending himself, and then it went to court, got worse and worse. So he has a bunch of charges against him for the crime of never having fired his gun, but he did show it. Um, and he goes on trial in October. And I have some good news for you. You were asking me about Pete Sinelli, okay? And Pete Sinelli, I, I had trouble locating him. It turned out, and, and I'd communicated this to he's been here in Oregon. He was supposed to go on trial today. Okay, so all this is hours old. A lot came in this morning. And Pete Sinelli was a reporter who was in Burns, Oregon. He was re arrested at the time. So he has been in prison, mostly in a solitary cell, uh, ever since last January. And they've been moving him back and forth. Uh, for a while, I thought he was in Nevada. Well, no, right now he is here in Oregon, and they were going to put him on trial today. And what did, did, did Pete do that was so terrible? Well, they had two pieces of evidence. He, he kept saying, I'm a reporter, I'm a reporter. Well, they had... Um, one confrontation with one of these troll kind of people that you and I were talking about, and the troll says, we're going to run you guys out, and you're in deep trouble, and Pete says, you, you better not bring a butter knife to a gunfight, son. And so that was a threatening statement. Okay, so that was one of the things they had Pete for. Well, as of yesterday, yesterday afternoon late, uh, they take Pete out of his cell, they bring him down to a holding room. They once again try to get him to do a plea bargain and tell him, you're looking at 20 years in jail here. And he once again says, not going there, not going to do it. Go ahead, you throw me in. And they said, we're going to throw you back in solitary confinement. So you get to sleep on the floor, under a uh, stone floor, under uh, under a blanket, concrete floor. says, uh, whatever, I'm not going to do a plea bargain. Finally, they come in with a piece of paper that says, you have to let him go. Um, he comes out, and they dropped all the charges against him and released him at 4 o'clock yesterday. Okay. <laughs> so Pete Sinelli has been released. I, they had a number of charges, and they had these videos of him making his butter knife statement and then, I don't know, something else. But they decided those charges were not sufficient. They dropped it. The good news is he's out of jail. No, the good news is he, all the Portland charges have been dropped. The bad news is is they're sending him down to Nevada, and he's going to face 14 charges from the Bundy Ranch thing two years ago, and I have no idea what the, they are. But right now, it was apparently a very, very tender scene because he and the Bundys had gotten to be friends, and they were hugging each other and crying and saying, well, we may never see you again. Uh, so Pete's off to Nevada. So that's the news as of yesterday. The trial has started now in Oregon, and I can tell you where that is now. It's constantly changing, uh, and it's pretty intense and pretty weird. And this is the trial of who, uh, Ryan Bundy? 
This is a trial of eight protesters, the two Bundy oh. brothers, Ryan Bundy and Ammon Bundy, and six other people, okay? Um, and, well, actually, it was eight yesterday. Now I think it's seven because uh, they've dropped charges on Sinelli. He was going to be one of them. There may have been another one. All this is just happening. And just in the last few hours, Ammon Bundy's lawyer has made an emergency request to dismiss charges saying the procedures were flawed. So all this is in the last few hours. Now, so there's there's probably right now seven people being charged today. There are 11 who have taken plea deals, and the plea deals wind up with them being sentenced between six and months and three and a half years. And these people have not been with their families for seven months. They've been in really horrific conditions, uh, quite often uh, in solitary confinement. And their families are lo losing their homes. A lot of them just gave up hope and took a plea deal. Okay. Uh, there are seven more people from Oregon who will be going to trial in, on February 14th. Okay, so that's that. And there's 19 of them going on trial on February 2nd, 2017, and one of those 19 will be Pete Sinelli. So that's the uh, prisoner count, political prisoner count so far. What, what are these people even charged with? I mean, that what are they very do? What did they allegedly do? Um, basically, uh, Lynch came to Portland before all this happened. She came, you know, they had been arrested, and people were saying, what can we charge them with? What is it they have done? And there were a few, I don't think there's anything in Nevada. Here in, in Oregon, there are things like they cut a fence to let the cattle get out in the wintertime, and they had a video of uh, one of the Bundy kids taking down a camera. They were, you know, they had this camera watching everything they did. They took it down. And one of the charges against Sinelli is he walked through the frame as they were taking the camera down. They just had him on the edge of the frame. So all they had him was this butter knife thing and being on the frame of a camera walking by when they were taking down the camera. So... What Lynch has them being charged with are basically thought crimes. The the current thing that is a federal crime, 20 years, is conspiracy to obstruct um, federal officers. And that means you don't have to have done anything. You just be thinking about it. All right. Now, this has prompted a long discussion about what kind of evidence do you have of these thought crimes? You know, do you open their head up and everything else? And there have been long, long discussions of what evidence is allowed. And as of, let's see, Sunday, the Oregonian, which is a heavily leftist paper, came out with a statement about what evidence will be allowed. Uh, the big news to those of us watching this, I feel like it's a twilight zone, is the squirrel video is going to be allowed. Okay, <laughs> what is the squirrel video? The squirrel video uh, is a video that was taken. Here are these ranchers. Oh, and by the way, Pete Sinelli didn't even stay at the refuge. He was one of the few. There, Burns is a very small town. I think they have one motel. The ranchers didn't have a lot of money. Uh, it was a middle winter. Weather was terrible. 
Sinelli was staying in a hotel, so he would drive out to the refuge, which is like probably 30 miles or so in the wintertime, uh, every day to be there and then back at night. So he was the only one who was arrested who hadn't even been one of the occupiers. He was staying in some motel in town. But the rest were camping there. And while they were camping there, they kind of cleaned the place up. And there's a film of one of them. I forget which one. He saw this interesting little critter. And he said he's talking to his friends. He says, I never saw anything looks like that. What is it? And they got into this big big discussion about whether it was a squirrel or a, some kind of a badger. So he chased it around to try to get a good look at it. And they finally decided it was a squirrel. Well, that video is going to be allowed as testimony in whatever crimes these people have committed. I suppose that they are abusing squirrels or something. Um, the judge has decided that's in. Okay. Now, other things have been ruled on adverse possession. One of the the Bundy guys said, well, we were there because you guys not only have done illegal things to the Hammonds, they're in prison for setting a fire to protect their own ranch, but this refuge where we're camped here, this abandoned refuge, its uh, ownership is in question, okay? There's no evidence that the, the government even owns this thing. It was a cattleman's kind of thing by a cattleman collection, and the government kind of took it over. And so this is adverse possession, and that's a constitutional thing. And he was working as his own lawyer, all right? And, of course, he sends that to the judge, who is a an appointed uh, female. Um, doesn't matter what her name is, but anyway... And so he's, he, he says, this is adverse possession. We had a right to be there because we're not only protesting the Hammond Ranch, but we're protesting the possession of these properties. Okay. Whereupon the judge says, you're, you're just a fool and you know nothing about law, and that's obviously dismissed and it is rolled out of order, blah, blah, blah. Well, it turns out um, Ammon Bundy has a lawyer in California. The, the lawyer files this hysterical appeal to that, and he points out that, no, actually, Bundy was right. It is in the Constitution. There is a thing called adverse possession, and you have to allow that. And in the middle of his letter, it says, like, he, it, this whole thing that he's watching from Oregon reminds him of that old movie with uh, whoever it was, um, where they said, we, you know, they, the, the, the bandits come for them, and they said, We're, show us your badges. We don't need no stinking badges. <laughs> okay, and he puts that into the letter, okay, to the judge. And she rules, well, all right, it is constitutional that there is adverse possession. So she's ruled that you can talk about that. But as of two days ago, uh, they say, yes, adverse possession is... Uh, has argued it doesn't apply to federal property, but maybe it does apply to federal property, but in any case, it doesn't, it's not relevant to defending these people from all the terrible things they've done. So that's the, uh, the um, no stinking badges. Well, m- meanwhile, there's another law firm, uh, <clears throat> Mike, um, uh, what's his name? Mike Arnold, the Arnold Law Firm. They're not even in Portland, okay? They're, the nearest lawyer's touching this thing. Uh, he's in Eugene, a small company, and he sees this thing about we, <laughs> we don't need no stinking badges. So he didn't file it with the judge, but he put it up on Facebook, and he says, badgers? We don't need no stinking badgers. We got ground squirrels. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's like the Twilight Zone. 
let's take our final break now, John. Okay. The United States Justice Foundation, since 1979, has been dedicated to instructing, informing, and educating the public on legal issues confronting America. That means you and me. When necessary, this nonprofit organization has had to litigate to present the constitutional view. Since 1980, USJF has submitted testimony to the U.S. Senate on all but one U.S. Supreme Court nominee. Learn more about USJF by visiting their website at www.usjf.net. Support this nonprofit as it defends our rights, our liberty, and our Constitution. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Uh, my guest today is John Hurdell, the uh, good friend, a uh, very noted and awarded author, and also a patriot. And uh, John's been telling us about the situation in Oregon, which is horrific. And so, John, uh, go ahead and pick that up, if you will. What's uh, the latest on that circus out there? Well, the circus continues. Uh, two or three weeks ago, I keep learning new things. There are two Bundys in jail here. The younger one is Ryan Bundy. And he, ha- I just found out, he has a bullet that's been in his arm ever since January, or fragments of a bullet. Okay, And there's a lot of evidence that has never been, uh, we don't know. Uh, there's all kind of, no, no data from the FBI, no data from the Oregon State Police. Um, and, but anyway, it turns out, what evidence is available, no, no autopsy from the family or anything else of Finnegan being shot. Well, it turns out in the shooting incident where Finnegan was killed, the truck was riddled with gunfire. The FBI report says three bullets. Uh, the people from the truck who survived says more than 100 rounds. And one of those rounds hit Ryan Bundy in the arm. Okay, well, and of course the government said, no, that isn't true. And that's the issue of the three nurses. Uh, three nurses at the hospital uh, have died mysteriously since January. So nurse, And those nurses turned out to be witnesses for Ryan Bundy saying, yeah, he came in here with a bullet wound in his arm. Well, the bullet or the fragment of the bullet is still there, and he will not allow them to remove it because he doesn't want the evidence to disappear. 
So all, so he's been holding whatever it is in his body. And three, or two, three weeks ago, they 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 came to him and they said, "We're removing you from your cell. You have to see some federal people and whatever." And he runs up to his brother's cell that he was not in solitary at that time. Says they're taking me away. I think that they want to take the bullet out of my arm. Whereupon they come and they grab him, they beat him up, bang his head against the wall, throw him down the stairs, and um, it turns out they did not take the uh, bullet out of his arm, but they did um, put him back in solitary confinement so he could only have 15 minutes a day where he could talk to anyone. Well, he spent the 15 minutes talking to his brother, uh, Ammon Bundy, who recorded it and put out an affidavit talking about the nurses and everything. And uh, whereupon, a few days later, they tried Ammon Bundy for a violation that he had counterband in his room. And his counterband was a salt and pepper container like you get at McDonald's or someplace. And they found one. You're not supposed to have that. So they threw him into solitary confinement where he has been until just before the trial. So that's the bullet in the arm thing. And that bullet is still there. So that's that. Uh, what do I think is going to happen? Um, the president is a fellow named uh, Joe. <clears throat> it's from Montana. And uh, basically it's this poor uh, Joe Robertson was his name, a 77-year-old disabled veteran who committed the crime of having some cattle ponds. He's uh, doing 18 months in the federal pen for that and uh, may not survive it. Uh, he had a public defender. The public defender was kind of in cahoots with the judge. Uh, he was wound up. He had all kinds of reports from uh, environmental people saying these cattle ponds didn't, didn't do any harm to anything. The nearest river was miles and miles and miles away. Well, anyway, Joe's got 18 months in prison, three years of probation, uh, big fines to repair the damage caused by his ponds and so forth. Uh, what do I think is going to happen? I think uh, there's going to be a lot of reporters there. I think um, this is going to go on for months. The trial has started. Uh, it is like the twilight zone right now. If I had to guess at anything, I think the fix is in, and I think that they will be convicted. One th- And it's very high level. Just in the last week, um, one of the Bundys... Um, the one who was representing himself, who, by the way, has now he has now a court-appointed lawyer who he doesn't want because the lawyer's not on his side. And just today, he says, I don't want this lawyer. And the judge says, you have to have her. Uh, but we have, he had subpoenaed records from our two state senators, our local congressmen and our governor, who were all involved in this, wanting to know how they were involved. And all of these senators and public officials have have written now how how that was, and you can't request evidence from somebody who wasn't even there, and yada yada yada. So the evidence isn't there. The protesters, I don't. It's some sort of a crime of intent, and uh, we have these bizarre things with the bullet in the arm, dead nurses. And uh, this is not the America that I remember. But that's the burn situation as of today. And there's so much happening, it'll be a full-time job to try to sort out what's going down because it's changing it, every 10 it, minutes. In the meantime, LeVon Fulipidicum, who was a rancher from Arizona, who was truly was standing there outside of his pickup truck with his hands up 
and was gunned down by, we don't know whether it was the feds or Oregon State Police. It was an ambush, obviously. Meantime, nothing's been done to anybody over that, has it? Absolutely nothing, and in fact, that's part of what's allowed at the trial, because they wanted to have testimony from the local sheriff. Um, uh, I'll forget his name. The good guy sheriff is Palmer. I think this the bad guy sheriff who was there, a young kid who did not get elected. He was appointed when the other one resigned. Um, they want they wanted him to testify at this trial. They also wanted this uh, Judge Gasty, who wasn't a judge. He was some sort of a magistrate. But they played key parts in it, and the, the judge holding the trial has ruled, no, they're not allowed to um, testify. It has no bearing because this is a federal case. And interestingly, the Sheriff Ward, if you look on my blog about this, blog.johntrudell.com, you see it goes on and on and on. And just look at the one about Burns. And there's a video in there where it looks to me like said sheriff is basically admitting to premeditated murder. It was he that chose the ambush zone for Finnegan and decided he and his people shouldn't be there because there might be questions later, so he wasn't there. And they set it up in an area where there was no cell phone coverage. Sounds like premeditation to me. Uh, So we have things like that. What evidence is allowed right now? Uh, There really isn't any evidence other than things like videos of squirrels and a picture of somebody taking down a camera and stuff like that. Uh, It's it's strange. Well, that's to say the least, and I appreciate you updating us on all this, John, and uh, look forward to having you on again in the future. And uh, people can order your books through Amazon, I know, but can they order directly from you also? No, they can't. I'm trying to avoid that. What is what is going to happen by the end of this year? Right now, you can get my books from any bookstore, okay, because Amazon distributes to bookstores. Bookstores and Amazon don't like each other. You walk in, you order a book, they'll get a book for you, okay? You can get my books off of Amazon, and by the end of year, the year, all my e-books will not only be on Amazon, they'll still be there, but they will be published on all the other ebook platforms. And uh, the first of the year, I'm going to have um, my books coming out in hardcover, again, uh, just through the bookstore channels. So right now, any bookstore can get them, www.johntrudel.com for my novels, blog.johntrudel, J-O-H-N-T-R-U-D-E-L with one L, dot com. And that's for the blog. Look for Burns for information about Burns. And um, what else can I tell you? Um, I, I Right now, yeah, I, this thing with Amazon I think may sort out. But if not, we're going to have a bunch of angry readers doing a free John thing. And God bless them. I really appreciate Americans are great. They support each other. Uh, it's, it's something that, you know, a lot of us are dealing with at this point. Is uh, uh, I know... I've been dealing with censorship of my blog because I send out notices to several thousand people that uh, have requested that I notify them when I post, make a new post on my blog, and a lot of those have been blocked. One interesting thing is that the U.S. Army Cyber Command has blocked me, my emails, from going to anybody in the military at the military email address, 
And uh, so at one point, I was even blocked from emailing my own son, uh, who was overseas, and uh, not sending him copies of the articles, just emailing him, period, because my email was flagged, and still is, as far as I know, but uh, I email him now through, through his personal email. John, it's been great having you on again, and uh, please, everyone, go to John's blog, order copies of his books. Uh, they're an excellent read, as I said, and uh, I've, I've enjoyed every one of them. And we will and also go to my article, my new blog article at www.michaelconnelly.jigsy.com. You can also access it through America's Web Radio, the Our Constitution webpage. Uh, that's how you can listen to this. And in the next 48 hours or so, this show will be posted on the website, a link to it. So please, if you've enjoyed the show and you think other people need to get this information that John's provided, please pick that link up and email it to your friends. And, John, thanks again for being on, and I look forward to talking to you again soon. My honor, and as soon as you get that posted, I will post it on my uh, author's page, www.johntrudel.com. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for everybody to listen. I'll be talking to you again next week. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.